This is the Stand Strong Podcast with Carrie Stoker, episode number 22, reading part two of The Song of Our Syrian Guest. Welcome to the Stand Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Stoker, and I help Latter-day Saint women strengthen their family relationships. Family life has many challenges, especially when a child suffers from mental illness. I understand these challenges, and I can teach you through stories and the Word of God how to navigate this challenging road. Hi, folks. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining me this week. I just came back from Houston, Texas, where we celebrated the um, wedding of my daughter, Mallory, to her new husband, Dallin. They got married a couple of weeks ago, but this was a wedding reception that we were having in Texas in honor of them and their and their wedding, and that was so fun. We met so many delightful people. They have such good friends in Texas, just the nicest people. Um, and one of those, one of their friends gifted Mallory and Dallin and then Mike and I these passes to their zipline park. So Mallory and Dallin and Mike and I went and did the ziplining on the day that we were headed out. And I wanted to just talk about one part of it. So one of the very last things that we did was at the end of the zipline, you step off of the platform high, high up off the ground and just drop to the ground. And of course, there's a pulley there that that you drop a little bit slower than you normally would and you get to the end. But it, it really takes something to step off that platform and just fall and just drop. And um, my daughter did it first and, um, and then Dallin. And it was so easy for me standing behind him just saying, yeah, you just like step off, just go, just like you can do it. One, two, three, <laughs> kind of be this cheerleader of them to take a leap of faith, you know, and you've got this. It was another thing for me to do it myself. And I thought it would be kind of easy, but it it wasn't. I didn't, you don't have quite the um, resistance on the line that I thought I would have. And so to feel that kind of security, like, oh, yeah, this line has me <laughs> once I step off of here. Or just to step off without anything around me that looks like it was supporting me. I mean, I totally knew it was going to happen because I watched them do it. I knew I was going to be safe and and nothing bad was going to happen to me because I watched them do it. And so I could follow after them, but it really felt a lot different than I thought it would. And in fact, the first one to go was Mallory and she didn't have anybody to show her the way, which was which it took her longer than it took the rest of us. And I just think there's a lot of lessons in that um that I'll just let you think about, but for me that idea of when you are when you are a forerunner and you are doing something that you haven't quite seen someone else do that takes guts baby that takes some grit and i was really proud of her for for showing me that lesson and how well she did that and then also for me to know that there's one thing to cheerlead and there's another thing <laughs> to do it yourself even when you feel like you you aren't going to have a problem. So anyway, that was our fun. So now as I go into the 
second half of the reading of this book, I wanted to suggest something, which I wish I would have thought of last week, and that is that you have Psalm 23 kind of in front of you, so you're following along with, you've got the words of the psalm, and then the reading of the story, so you can kind of reference back to, oh, this is what the this is what where this is where this line comes in next and what we're talking about and then the referencing back every time a new line is mentioned in the reading so that is my recommendation and then also there's a couple of things this time that I want you to look for while you listen to the reading one is that there is this part about ministering one by one that the shepherd does to these sheep as they come in um from their day it, this ministering one by one, it really struck home with me because the shepherd knows each sheep very specifically and knows the needs. And so listen for that. Also, um, I found this really interesting. Listen for how the flock defends against a wolf that gets in the midst of them. It is not what I thought would happen. Totally thought the shepherd would come in and take out the wolf, but that's not what happens. So listen as um, the Syrian guest explains what happens when a wolf gets into the pack. So, or listen as the wolf gets into the middle of the sheep. All right, here we go with the second half of the song of our Syrian guest. While our thoughts were carried away to those to these scenes of thirsty flocks drinking, I chanced to notice that the T-ball was again quietly at work. As we sat thinking on that picture up in the mountain, a good hand offered our guest a fresh cup. He received it with a low bow, sipped it in quiet, then with a grateful smile began speaking again. He restoreth my soul. You know, he said, turning to me, that soul means the life or oneself in the Hebrew writings. Then addressing us all, he went on, There are perilous places for the sheep on all sides, and they seem never to learn to avoid them. The shepherd must ever be on the watch, and there are private fields and sometimes gardens and vineyards here and there in the shepherd country. If the sheep stray into them and be caught there, it is forfeited to the owner of the land. So he restoreth my soul means the shepherd brings me back and rescues me from fatal and forbidden places. Restores me when wandering is the way it is put in one of our hymns, I interposed. Ah, sir, that is it exactly, he answered. Restores me when wandering. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Often have I roamed through the shepherd country in my youth and seen how hard it is to choose the right path for the sheep. One leads to a precipice, another to a place where the sheep cannot find the way back, and the shepherd was always going ahead, leading them in the right paths, proud of his good name as a shepherd. Some paths that are right paths still lead through places that have deadly perils. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, is the way the psalm touches this fact in shepherd life. This way of naming the valley is very true to our country. I, re- I remember one near my home called the Valley of Robbers, and another, the Ravine of the Raven. You see, the Valley of the Shadow of Death is a name drawn from my country's old custom. For thou art with me. Ah, how could more be put into few words? 
With the sheep, it matters not what the surroundings are, nor how great the perils and hardships. If only the shepherd is with them, they are content. There is no finer picture of the, of the way of peace for the troubled in all the world. To show how much the presence of the shepherd counts for the welfare of the sheep, I can think of nothing better than the strange thing I now tell you. It is quite beyond the usual daily care on which the flock depends so fondly. But I have seen it more than once. Sometimes, in spite of all the care of the shepherd and his dogs, a wolf will get into the very midst of the flock. The sheep are wild with fright. They run and leap and make it impossible to get at the foe in their midst, who at that very moment may be fastening his teeth in the throat of a helpless member of the flock. But the shepherd is with them. He knows what to do even at such a time. He leaps to the to the a rock or hill rock that he may be seen and heard. Then he lifts his voice in a long cry, something like a wolf's cry. Oh, oh. On hearing this, the sheep remembered the shepherd. They heed his voice. And strange to tell, the poor, timid creatures, which were helpless with terror before, instantly rush with all their strength into a solid mass. The pressure is irresistible. The wolf is overcome. Frequently, he is crushed to death, while the shepherd stands there on the rock crying, Oh! Oh! I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. He paused, looking questioningly at one another. Yes, I said at last, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He bowed his satisfaction in silence. Thy rod and thy staff. This also is true to life. The double expression covers the whole round of protecting care. For the shepherds carry a crook for guiding the sheep and a weapon suitable for defending them, the rod and the staff. One for aiding them in places of need along peaceful ways, the other for defense in perils of robbers and wild beasts. This saying describes with the ease of mastery how much those words mean. Thou art with me. And what shall I say of the next words? Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Ah, madam, you should see the sheep cuddle near the shepherd to understand that word. They comfort me. The shepherds call, ta, hoo, and the answering patter of feet as the sheep hurry to him are fit sounds to be chosen out of the noisy world to show what comfort God gives to souls that heed his voice. And those sounds have been heard in my country this day, as they were the day this shepherd's psalm was written. He sat in silence a moment, musing as if the sound were in his ear. With quiet animation, he lifted his thin hand and continued. Now here is where you drop the shepherd figure and put in a banquet, and so lose the fine climax of completeness in the shepherd's care. It need not be said, that we were eager listeners now, for our guest was all aglow with memories of his far-off homeland, and we felt that we were about to see new rays of light flash from the rarest gem in the song treasury of the world. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In the same hushed voice in which he quoted those words, he added, Ah, to think that the shepherd's highest skill 
and heroism should be lost from view as the psalm begins to sing of it, and only an indoor banquet thought of. Again, he sat a little time in quiet, and then he said, The word for table here means simply something spread out, and so a prepared meal, however it is, set forth. There is no higher task of the shepherd in my country than to go from time to time to study places and examine the grass and find a good and safe feeding place for his sheep. All his skill and often great heroism are called for. There are many poisonous plants in the grass and the shepherd must find and avoid them. The sheep will not eat certain poisonous things, but there are some which they will eat, one kind of poisonous grass in particular. A cousin of mine once lost 300 sheep by a mistake in this hard task. Then there are snake holes in some kinds of ground, and if they, are, if they be not driven away, the snakes bite the noses of the sheep. The shepherd sometimes burns the fat of hogs along the ground to do this. Sometimes the shepherd finds ground where moles have worked their holes just under the surface. Snakes lie in these holes with their heads sticking up ready to bite the grazing sheep. The shepherds know how to drive them away as they go along ahead of the sheep. And around the feeding ground, which the shepherd thus prepares, in holes and caves in the hillsides there are jackals, wolves, hyenas, and panthers too, and the bravery and skill of the shepherd are at the highest point in closing up these dens with stones or slaying the wild beasts with his long-bladed knife. Of nothing do you hear shepherds boasting more proudly than of their achievements in this part of their care of flocks. And now, he exclaimed with a beaming countenance and suppressed feeling, as if pleading for recognition of the lone shepherd's bravest act of devotion to his sheep. And now do you not see the shepherd figure in this quaint line? Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Yes, I answered, and I see that God's care of a man out in the world is a grander thought than that of seating him at an indoor banquet table. But what about anointing the head with oil and the cup running over? Go on, my friend. Oh, there begins the beautiful picture at the end of the day. The psalm has sung of the whole round of the day's wandering, all the needs of the sheep, all the care of the shepherd. Now the psalm closes with the last scene of the day. At the door of the sheepfold, the shepherd stands and the rotting of the sheep takes place. The shepherd stands, turning his body to let the sheep pass. He is the door, as Christ said of himself. With his rod, he holds back the sheep while he inspects them one by one as they pass into the the fold. He has the horn filled with olive oil, and he has cedar tar, and he anoints a knee bruise on the rocks or a side scratched by thorns. And here comes one that is not bruised, but is simply worn and exhausted. He bathes its face and head with the refreshing olive oil, and he takes the large two-handled cup and dips it brimming full from the vessel of water provided for that purpose, and he lets the weary sheep drink. There is nothing finer in the psalm than this. God's care is not for the wounded only, but for the worn and weary also. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And then when the day is done, and the sheep are snug within the fold, what contentment, what rest under the starry sky. 
Then comes the thought of deepest repose and comfort. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, as they have through all the wanderings of the day now ended. The song dies away as the heart that God has watched and tended breathes this grateful vow before the roaming of the day is forgotten in sleep. I will, not shall, but will, for it is a decision, a settled purpose, a holy vow. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the song ends, and the sheep are at rest, safe in the good shepherd's fold. Do you wonder that ever since that night we have called this psalm the song of our Syrian guest? Sidelights. Okay, at the back of the book are just a few more little um, words by a couple other authors that I wanted to read as well. This one's called Shepherd Life in Bible Lands by Professor George E. Post, the American College, Beirut, Syria. The same regions which furnished the vast flocks in ancient times are still noted for their sheep. All the plateaus east of the Jordan and the mountains of Palestine and Syria are pasture grounds for innumerable flocks and herds. They require water but once a day, and where they cannot get it from perennial streams, they find it in the innumerable, well, innumerable wells, fountains, and cisterns. The descendants of the same shepherds who tended flocks in Bible days still occupy the great sheep walks of Palestine. The care of sheep is the subject of frequent allusion in Scripture. The shepherd leads, not drives them, to pasture and water, protects them at the risk of his life. To keep them from the cold and rain and beasts, he collects them in caves or enclosures built built of rough stones. The sheep know their shepherd and heed his voice. It is one of the most interesting spectacles to see a number of flocks of thirsty sheep brought by their several shepherds to be watered at a fountain. Each flock, in obedience to the call of its own shepherd, lies down awaiting its turn. The shepherd of one flock calls his sheep in squads, draws water for them, pours it into the troughs, and when the squad has done, orders it away by sounds which the sheep perfectly understand and calls up another squad. When the whole of one flock is watered, its shepherd signals to it, and the sheep rise and move leisurely away, while another flock comes in a similar manner to the troughs, and so on until all the flocks are watered. The sheep never make any mistake as to who whistles to them or calls to them. They know not the voice of strangers. Sometimes they are called by names. Syrian sheep are usually white but some are brown. No animal mentioned in scripture compares in symbolical interest and importance with the sheep. It is alluded to about 500 times. Okay, that little section I just read had several scriptural references to to much of it that I did not read. Okay, this next, the second section I want to read is called The Singing Pilgrim. A Characterization of the 23rd Psalm by Henry Ward Beecher The 23rd Psalm is the nightingale of the Psalms. It is small, of a homely feather, singing shyly out of obscurity. But, oh, it has filled the air of the whole world with melodious joy, greater than the heart can conceive. Blessed be the day on which that psalm was born. 
What would you say of a pilgrim commissioned of God to travel up and down the earth singing a strange melody, which, when once heard, caused him to forget whatever sorrow he had? And so the singing angel goes on his way through all lands, singing in the language of every nation, driving away trouble by the pulses of the air which his tongue moves with divine power. Behold just such an one. This pilgrim God has sent to speak in every language on the globe. It has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world. It has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts, more black doubts, more thieving sorrows than there are sands on the seashore. It has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, or orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains, and, like Peter's angel, led him forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master and consoled those whom, dying, he left behind, mourning not so much that he was gone as because they were left behind and could not go to. Nor is its work done. It will go on singing to your children and my children and to their children through all the generations of time. Nor will it fold its wings till the last pilgrim is safe and time ended and then it shall fly back to the bosom of God, whence it issued, and sound on, mingled with all those sounds of celestial joy which make heaven musical forever. So this is a beautiful tribute um, to the 23rd Psalm. And I've just had so much joy in reading this again, um, reading it to you. And as I read it, just finding more and more meaning and application to the 23rd Psalm to my life. And I can see um, now through these eyes of the Syrian shepherd how my misunderstanding of some of it or my interpretation of some of it might have been off a little bit. With this clarity, now it just makes so much sense. There's just such a deeper meaning, wouldn't you say? As you've listened to it so thank you for joining me um, this has been a delight and I look forward to uh, meeting back with you next week if you like the stand strong podcast please like and subscribe 